uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast, previewing the Oklahoma State-West Virginia game. Joining me, as always, is Colby Powell. Colby, uh, week two is upon us. It's a uh, it was an interesting week one with Tulsa, but hopefully things go a little smoother this week <laughs> against West Virginia. Obviously, it's Big 12 play and a much better opponent. Yeah, 1-0, never a doubt, against the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. So that was a nice stress-free Saturday to open the college football season. I, I don't know, man. Shane Ellingworth obviously had a couple weeks in quarantine. Didn't even stay in the team hotel last week before the Tulsa game, which I thought was really odd. They, they just had no anticipation of him getting into the game under any circumstance. And he did and he played well, but we've still only seen him throw five passes and play one quarter. So I still don't think we know a lot about him. So I think Oklahoma State fans should be a little more cautious. I, I think most of the conversation I've seen online anyway is, yeah, I think Oklahoma State should be able to take care of business and the scheduling works out really well for Sanders to be hurt. I'm like, dude, West Virginia is not a great team, but this ain't Kansas, this ain't Tulsa. So I don't know if I'm ready to just hand Oklahoma State an easy win and assume that Illingworth is going to go out and light them up. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think West Virginia's defense can pose a lot of problems for that offensive line that we saw. And, and I, I'm concerned about this one. But before we get into it, let's, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop Cowboys shop on Campus Corner. Uh, buy your, your throwback gear. They're wearing a throwbacks this week against West Virginia. I'm sure Chris's has tons of, of the old Bucking Bronc logo shirts. You can get a lot of throwback gear. But you can shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And if you're in town for the game, the select few that are allowed inside the stadium, head over to Chris's University Spirit, get you some gear for the Big 12 opener. So without further ado, let's get to the first five. You know, it was, a, it was an interesting week, Colby. Uh, we celebrated the, the anniversary of the Gundy rant. And of course, you know, that I'm a man, I'm 40 might be on, on Gundy's tombstone, one of the... <laughs> I mean, that, that it's synonymous with, with him. The rant kind of put him on the map nationally. He was, he was still a very young coach at that point. But, uh, you know, everyone likes to, to dissect the rant, their favorite parts. Pistols Firing Blog did a nice article on their, their top five moments of it. But everyone has their personal favorites here, Colby. What's your personal favorite uh, moment of the rant? Yeah, a couple, couple quick thoughts. Number one, I think the rant overshadows the fact that Brandon Pettigrew went 54 yards, rumbling, bumbling, stumbling to the house to end off a great, great football game. But Durant itself, um, you know, everybody goes to the I'm a man, I'm 40. But I thought the part where he says, it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. <laughs> I think that's uh, pretty classic Gundy. Uh, am I a fan of Durant? I don't know, not necessarily. I mean, Bobby Reed's talked about the rant and how it impacted him negatively. Obviously, it was a big thing for Mike Gundy. Um, so we, we obviously like to look back on it, and it was a lot of fun and, and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, if you can look at it in just kind of a lighthearted way, then uh, I'm always in on a good coach's rant. You know, it's, it's amazing, Colby. That year I was in school working for the Ocali, the student newspaper, and I was the beat writer. and. I went to every press conference that season, except for that one. I had the option to just go to that game as a student. It was, uh, you know, a, a big game that I wanted to kind of hang out with some friends. I was like, you know what, I'll take, I'll take the Texas Tech game off. And I started getting huh. texts from our writer that was covering it, like, uh, Gundy just 
went crazy in post game. You know, they just won, like you said, a, an instant classic. I think OSU had three 100-yard rushers that game. Crabtree had over like 200 yards and three touchdowns. It was a, just an insane football game, too. even by Big 12 football standards. It was an insane football game. And I was like, well, what could you possibly have gone off about? Because I hadn't, I hadn't read the Oklahoma in that day. I had no idea, obviously, just like everybody else. So, of course, I'll never, I'll never forgive myself for not going to, like, the most famous press conference in the history of college football, <laughs> at least in the last 10, 15 years. But uh, for me, and that was you, – you mentioned the garbage line. That was, like, the original, as Kyle Boone noted in, on PFB, that's the original, like, fake news garbage he doesn't read the newspaper because it's fake news which is is kind of interesting now in in 2020 with with Donald Trump as president but my favorite part is the different cadences he would use like my my favorite part still is the most underrated part was where he like screams who has a child who comes home upset (laughs) he just says like upset really like really really (laughs) quiet after screaming he just he was he was kind of all over the place with his cadences and he was starting to get more angry and more angry, but it is. And look, it was a, it was not a great moment for, for him or, or really Jenny Carlson either. So I don't mean to make too much light of it, but it, it's, it's pretty funny to look back on. Didn't he say at one point in there, what he like as someone who is the father of children? <laughs> he goes, uh, he, he is the very beginning. He holds up the newspaper. And he's like, this was brought to me by a mother. Oh yeah. Of yeah, children. Yeah. A mother of children. <laughs> Yeah. As, as opposed to a mother of, you know, dogs, yeah, cats. dogs, yeah. cats, whatever. But it, it's hard to believe that was 2007. Yeah. It's hard to believe it's, you know, 13 years later, but here we are. Uh, number two on, the, on our first five, Colby, this has been made a lot of headlines this week. Thurman Thomas is being honored for the ring of honor they're going to start doing for former players. He's the first one to go in. And, you know, it's supposed to be a big positive story for OSU football, celebrating the past. It's clearly long overdue. And, and Thurman has been pretty open and, and honest and, frankly, critical of Oklahoma State, uh, of Mike Gundy, the lack of communication between he and his former quarterback. And really, he says, you know, the school down the street does a great job of, of honoring former players, meaning Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, I, those – those comments certainly raised my eyebrows, Colby. What about you? Yeah, whenever he talks about the school down the street, clearly talking about OU and um, how they have such great player relations with former players who were there and did a lot for the university, it, it really is noticeable at Oklahoma State that we don't see a lot of former players that often at Oklahoma State. We just don't. There, there's not a ton of uh, player interaction uh, I think that you've got something coming out that you can talk about if you want to. Another former player talking about the divide, I think, between Oklahoma State football and its former players. And I don't fully understand that. I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to have your greats on campus as often as possible. I mean, it's a great recruiting tool. It gets the fans fired up. Everybody loves it. It, it seems like a win-win for everybody. So I don't really know what the downside would be to having more of these guys around more often. Yeah, it's, it's very strange because OSU is such a tight-knit, you know, fraternity. Not, if you just went to school there, you have a kinship of people who went to school there, let alone if you played in the same football program as, as all those former players. And, and you, you just look around the stadium, and there's, there's nothing honoring any former player. So maybe this is a good step in terms of the ring of honor. There's, no, there's not one statue of, of Barry Sanders, probably the greatest college football player we've ever seen. 
Uh, OU has like, you know, they have seven Heisman statues and a, a statue for like every great coach they've had. They've got Bud, Barry, and, and Benny Owen, and Bud Wilkinson, Bob Stoops, obviously. And there's no statues. There's, there's nothing. And maybe that's some of what Thurman was talking about. But I think it's more just a lack of communication between the athletic department and getting former players back. And we've seen a few here and there. Like occasionally there'll be a player on the sideline. You know, Whedon's been in there some, not a lot. And speaking of Brandon, I, I had him on uh, last night. We're, we taped an interview for our, our OSU West Virginia pregame show. The game is on ABC. The only window we have to do a pregame show is at 10 a.m. So that's when our show will start. And so I asked Brandon a lot about, you know, Shane Ellingworth coming off the bench, kind of like Brandon did in 2009 against Colorado. And then I just kind of asked him, you know, kind of open and open-ended question. I didn't lead him down in the same direction as Thurman. I was just like, you know, Thurman said all these things about lack of communication. Do you think the ring of honor is a step in the right direction? And to, and he kind of went off a little bit. I mean, he, he was very, very, very critical uh, of OSU. And he said, Thurman hit the nail right on the head. And I would encourage everyone to watch the show on Saturday to get his full comments. I don't want to take anything out of context because I, I basically just opened an open, asked him an open-ended question. He, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, they preach family up there. And when you're not, when you're done playing, it's almost like you don't exist. And that's coming from the best quarterback in school history. So clearly this is a big problem. And again, I want everyone to watch the, the full comments and, and everything Brandon had to say. And, Brandon obviously wanted to get this off his chest because he knew we were taping an interview for our show. And again, this is a terrible look for, for OSU. You know, I know Mike Gundy has a ton going on as the head coach. It's not necessarily his job to run an alumni program. That's more on the university side of things. So I think it's a, a, a systemic failure that Thurman Thomas, who is in the NFL Hall of Fame, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame, Brandon Whedon, the best quarterback in your school history, is clearly unhappy. And I don't know, Colby, it's, it's just a bad look. I, to me, it's – and I asked Brandon a follow-up. Like, to me, this is a very easy solution. So what's going to happen? And he, he, he didn't really know. But I was, I was a bit taken aback by Brandon's comments, to be honest. Yeah, first things first, I, I think the Ring of Honor is a step in the right direction. It's why hasn't it happened until 2020? I don't know. Why doesn't Barry have a statue? I don't know. Um, these are questions that we may never have answers to. But I think that that Whedon interview, uh, and I'll watch it tomorrow morning, if, if his comments are as powerful as you say they are, um, and I don't doubt that they are, I think that's probably going to make some big headlines. And it just seems like, for whatever reason, I'd say even for the last few years, not even just this summer, for the last few years, Mike Gundy has gotten a lot of negative headlines in the press. And the best quarterback in school history coming out and ripping you and, and you know, coming out and saying that there's essentially no relationship between the program and former players, it's a bad look for Oklahoma State. And, uh, again, this all, everything in college athletics, especially college football, circles back to recruiting. And everything that paints your university, your program in a negative light with current and former players, it just makes it that much tougher to recruit. So I, I don't know. The, uh, the negative headlines, I think, are slowly chipping away at uh, the Mike Gundy era in Stillwater. Well, and it, it kind of comes back to what Mike was dealing with this summer. You know, Chuba Hubbard and, and several players on the current team 
basically said they didn't have a relationship with their head coach. So yeah. clearly the alumni don't either. And that's a problem. And Brandon made the point too, like, look, OSU is a big time football program. And he's right. I mean, they, over the last 12 years, they're like top 10, top 12 in wins in the country ahead of many other programs that have way more prestige. So Texas. it's, it's Texas, especially it's time to start. It's time to start acting like it as athletic department. I, to me, Colby, this, like you said, it's, it's basically just marketing your program and, and honoring the players who helped get you to the point you're at now. I just, to me, it's very strange because to me, OSU's always been kind of a family oriented, very pro, you know, current and former player. So it's just, it's a problem I frankly didn't know existed because I, you know, you would see Whedon on the sideline a couple of times. He said that I've been up there a few times, but it's not as if there's much of a, an alumni base uh, that's what's wanted up there. So uh, I encourage everyone to watch the show at 10 a.m. It's going to be very interesting to, to see his full comments. But again, I'm with you. I think, I think Brandon will be up there in a the ring of honor soon. Obviously Barry will too, of course, but uh, they need to do more stuff around the stadium in terms of uh, these are the players that played here. You know, Thurman was like, I just want to meet, uh, <laughs> I just want to meet Des Bryant and Justin and Justin Blackman. He's like, I haven't even, I haven't even met those guys. Like those are, <laughs> three of the best players to ever wear an OSU uniform and they, they haven't even met. So that's, that's a problem. But yeah. it's crazy that they haven't gotten all those guys together on the same weekend for like a homecoming weekend, a bridging the gap generation type. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just weird that none of this stuff has happened. Well, maybe these comments much like, you know, Chuba's tweets and, and everything else will, will bring about change in terms of that. Yeah. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, number three, ESPN's been taping a documentary series all preseason, and now now we're into the season, and they're still doing the kind of behind-the-scenes look. And it was interesting, Colby, the latest episode, episode number seven, there's a recap on Pistol's Firing blog you can read if you didn't get, get to watch it or don't have ESPN+. Plus. But it, it showed Spencer Sanders in the locker room, which he was tweeting during the game. I was like, well, where is he? And we got to see exactly where he was on the training table there in full uniform still. And uh, – it, it was interesting to see the way he went out of that game. And then very interesting to me, Colby, there was two offensive linemen there as well uh, that were banged up. I believe it was Hunter Anthony and I can't remember the other kid's name, but two offensive linemen that were out injured too. And we all know the problems the O-line had. Yeah, I think that the, the old lineman being in there on the table is as big of a story as Spencer being in there on the table because whether it's Spencer or Illingworth, the running game obviously has to be a huge part of what Oklahoma State's doing because Chuba's the best player on your team. You could make a strong argument for Tylen, and, and I'd be here for that argument. But, I mean, Chuba was top five in Heisman voting last year, sixth, maybe whatever he was, should have won the uh, – oh, God. Doak Walker. The Doak Walker Award. Uh, should have won the Doak Walker Award. He's your best player. You can only run through holes that are there. I, I mean, Chuba can create some holes. He can make guys miss. But if you're getting gang tackled at the line of scrimmage, if you can't move the line of scrimmage against Tulsa, I know West Virginia's not world beaters, but you think Oklahoma State's going to be able to move the, the line of scrimmage against West Virginia? Because I've got serious concerns about whether Oklahoma State will be able to effectively run the ball on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I think some of that too, Colby, Chuba didn't run that hard. Like, you look at the just the difference between the way he ran and the way L.D. Brown ran. Look – and I've never once inferred that L.D. Brown ran better than Chuba Hubbard, but I think that somewhat was the case <laughs> against Tulsa. I don't know what the 
what the issue was. Maybe Chuba was just down on, on the blocking and wasn't seeing the holes as well. But the, to your point, West Virginia has maybe the best duo of defensive linemen with the Stills brothers. I mean, those guys are legit. And I think it was, it was uh, Hunter Anthony and, uh, and Cole uh, Birmingham was the other offensive lineman. So those are two key pieces. If they're gone, I think Chuba's going to have a hard time seeing the hole again uh, this week. But uh, that was an interesting behind-the-scenes look. And it, it was kind of cool, too. Spencer really got excited for, for Shane Ellingworth. He clearly is a team guy. Wasn't in there pouting that he was hurt again, which, Colby, if you've played sports, you know, the most frustrating thing is when you're hurt and you can't play. You got to sit there and watch. So that's, I'm sure that's frustrating for him. But it was, it was good to see him being a good teammate in there in the locker room. Yeah, it definitely was. He was cheering on the guys. He was cheering on Illingworth and all that good stuff. Uh, so I thought that was really good. I thought the halftime stuff with Josh Sills, I mean, Josh Sills, he was he was getting after it. He's like, man, every <laughs> day in practice for 33 days, we've done it. We can't do it in the you-know-what game. I He was fired up, man. Did you see his mullet? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that yeah. that's legit. It's like tight on the sides. And long on the back, That's it's better than Gundy's now. Gundy kind of snipped his. It's, it's no longer – it's more of just a I need a haircut look than, than the actual mullet. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Chuba was trying to kind of, you know, go at it in a real nice way, in a real encouraging way. Like, all right, guys, let's let's get after <laughs> it. Let's Come on, it's seniors. It starts with us. Seniors, come on. We got we to gotta be better. And Josh Sills is like, look, if y'all don't get y'all asses in gear, I'm going to whoop <laughs> every one of you after the game. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, that was awesome. You don't want to mess with the, the, the big uglies up front. Uh, number four, Colby, kind of to our point about the West Virginia game, this is a fascinating stat. For, for all of the success Mike Gundy's had, and he's had a ton. He's obviously the winningest coach in school history. They're, as I said, they're, they're top 12 in wins in the last 12 years. Mike Gundy is 7-8 and eight in Big 12 openers. It's been a huge issue. For some reason, they do not play well in the season opening game. And it's a shame that A&M isn't on the schedule still, Colby, because they won one, two, three, four, four in a row against A&M in Big 12 openers to really improve that record. But they're 7-8. And, eight, and I, I always credited a lot, Colby, to – them playing the Savannah States of the world in non-conference. A lot of their, their non-conference opponents didn't necessarily get them ready for Big 12 play. But now you play Tulsa, who's certainly better than a Savannah State. Maybe that will help. But that that's a shocking stat for as much success as Mike Gundy's had. Yeah, I think that uh, the 7-8 and eight is awful. But you look back and Oklahoma State's 2-6 and six in its last eight Big 12 home openers. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State's lost four Big 12 openers in a row. They haven't won a Big 12 opener since 2015. You remember they lost to TCU in James Washington and Mason Rudolph's senior year after they had obliterated Pittsburgh and everybody got their hopes high, national championship, college football playoff, here we come. And ranked then, sixth in the country. Ranked sixth in the country. And then they got absolutely worked over by TCU at home. They had more than enough chances to beat Texas last year I thought that the Texas game last year um was you, you know I, I always say if if Mike Gundy can get three he lives to get three Mike, Mike Gundy loves field goals I don't know what it is we, <laughs> we saw it last week in the fourth quarter Carson they kicked a field goal late in the fourth quarter to go up by six they, they turned a one possession game into a one possession game if you kick a field goal to go up by six in the fourth quarter you're begging to lose by one luckily that didn't happen 
But, you know, two years ago was the Texas Tech game where Alan Bowman came in, and Alan Bowman looked like the next reincarnation of Dan Marino. So it's been a case of whatever can go wrong in Big 12 openers has gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with your point in, in general about kicking the field goal to go up six. I think he was just saying, look, we got Shane Ellingworth in at quarterback. Our defense has been lights out. Let's just make sure we, we can hold them to a, like hold them out of the end zone with our defense. I, I'm pretty confident. So I'll give Gundy a little bit of pass on that. But to your point, he does love field goals. He has this persona as this mullet wearing air raid style coach. When and Kyle Porter and I've talked about this for years, he, he really is like a like a Pat Jones. He, he is of the Pat Jones coaching tree, right? He loves to run the football, you know, play conservatively and and take your points when you can get them. And he has this persona more so than the actual on the field persona is really just run the football, be smart, win the rushing game and turnover game, and you're going to win. But I, I agree with you though for the most part. But I, I think he was mostly leaning on his defense there, which. Maybe it obviously was the right call. They they won the game, but but typically Colby, I'm with you. I think he does settle for field goals far too often. Especially we've seen that in the years past too, Colby, where he will he will like run the ball on third and nine and just basically a give up play to kick a field goal. Yeah, he'll turn a, a thirty eight yard field goal into a thirty four yard field goal and give up his chance to get the first down. And I, I don't know why, but Coaches not being aggressive enough is just – it's one of my pet peeves at all levels of football. I think if you cross midfield and you punt on fourth and less than five, you're a chump. Uh, I think if you <laughs> I, I, – seriously, I think if you're at the opponent 46-yard line and you got a fourth and four and you don't go for it, you're a chump, especially if the other team has a great offense. Like, to me, in Bedlam – I mean, how many times have we seen Oklahoma State punt from the OU 40 in Bedlam and then OU starts from their own 10 and scores in four plays? OU's got the best offense in the country. They're going to score anyway. Stop giving up possessions. So punting on fourth and short from the opponent's side of the 50 is a big pet peeve of mine. And then kicking field goals um, on fourth and like less than three is a big pet peeve of mine. Because what do we know about college kickers, Carson? You can't usually count on them. It's a 70% proposition maybe 75 depending on how close you are I just I think you're leaving too many points on the board when you coach that conservatively it's not just a Gundy thing for me I sit here and I watch Bill O'Brien do it and it drives me nuts in the NFL Adam Gase some of these guys who I don't think are very good NFL coaches stop kicking the ball so much Bill O'Brien last Sunday Carson kicked a field goal uh they were down by Oh, how many were they down by? They were down by like 20 in the fourth quarter, and he kicked a field goal. And it was like fourth and three. It was like fourth and three, and he kicked a field goal and cut it to 17. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, I mean, the way I always look at it, too, is what is the, what does the opposing team want you to do here? They definitely don't want you going for it. They would be so happy if you punted. And that's, that's always right. the wrong call if you're doing what they want you to do. And, and also, like, Colby, if you're playing like Madden or, you know, college football – you're never punting on the, on the 40. Like, you're going to be super aggressive. Now, I know it's a video game, but I just think the aggressive nature is, is always the way to go in college football. And to your point, they're not NFL kickers. They could, they could certainly miss, even though Alex Hale was pretty solid in his first game as, as the kicker. Yeah. But, yeah, go, go for it, Gundy. Be aggressive. I wish coaches would trust their offense as much as they trust their kickers. That's, that's my, my main point. Were you surprised the Chiefs? Kicked three straight field goals from 50-plus yarders? 
Uh, no, only because they have one of the two greatest kickers on the entire planet. I mean, I know Bucker's good, but is he like, you know, I think it's Tucker is he a Hall of Famer? I mean, is he that good? I'd have to look at his numbers to see. I think it's Tucker one, Bucker two. Bucker, I mean, he's going on several years now of being pretty darn close to automatic. But to your point, Andy Reid has Pat Mahomes in the Chiefs offense, and yeah, he was trying to right. kick a field goal with, on like fourth and four. Yeah, and then they got the right. penalty, and then I, I guess, you know, at that point, it's, it's kick and go home. But Oh, yeah, and Anthony Lynn punted on fourth and one and gave the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was brutal. Yeah, he said, here, please beat me. I don't want to win this game. Yeah, that's, that's bad. Go, go for it. Be aggressive. Uh, number five, Cole, let's pick the game. Obviously, OSU is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. This line's moved up and down. It got up to, like, seven-and-a-half, eight points, but it's back down to six-and-a-half. I think the, the gamblers were like, wait a second, that offensive line with probably a true freshman playing quarterback, that's, that's too many points. So the line's come back down to West Virginia. How do you, how do you view this one shaking out? Yeah, I've, I've really gone back and forth on this one. I think that there are – Quite a few things working against Oklahoma State here. Obviously, the injury to Spencer Sanders. So now you've got Shane Illingworth, who will get the first team reps this week, but still just is very unproven. I think you've got, for whatever reason, an Oklahoma State team that struggles in Big 12 openers. And I think you've got what was an already questionable offensive line that is now dealing with injuries. I think that you're putting a lot of weight on the shoulders of your defense in this game on that Saturday. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Do you happen to have the over-under in front of you? I can look it up if you've got it right in front of you. Yeah, it's um, 51 and a half. 51 and a half. Okay. Down so. front, opened at 55. So, I think everyone – I think the betters are agreeing with you there. It's going to be lower scoring. Okay. So, my final score prediction is going to actually be hitting the under. I've got a field goal for West Virginia. I've got three field goals for Oklahoma State. Shout out Alex Hale. <laughs> uh, I am picking uh, West Virginia 24, Oklahoma State 23. Ooh, upset. You got West Virginia winning. I just – the injuries, man, it's, it's not just Spencer. The, between Spencer and the offensive line, I just don't know what to expect from this Oklahoma State offense. And uh, the unknown is really scaring me into picking West Virginia here. Yeah, I don't hate that pick at all. And I'm, I've been toying with picking West Virginia all week. Uh, you know, Jared Dagey is a good quarterback. I mean, he's not, not bad. He, he's not all big 12 caliber, but I mean, he's only played four four starts in his career. He's top half of the fifth. conference, right? He's probably top five quarterback in the conference. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to pose a lot of problems for OSU's defense. I think OSU has to win this game with defense, which I think that might be the first time I've ever said that on this podcast, but they're going to have to win at the defense. I'm not confident at all in the running game, which to me puts, as, as you said, a lot of pressure on Shane Ellingworth. And he's not very mobile. I mean, watching him try to run around a little bit against Tulsa, he was, he was kind of stuck in the mud. He's, he's much more in the mold of a Brandon Whedon than he is a Spencer Sanders. Now, how much are they going to tailor the offense in a week around Shane Ellingworth? I don't think they're, I don't think that's enough time to implement anything crazy. And I'm just – I'm concerned about that offensive line, the pressure they're going to give up when he's drop, dropping back to pass. So, I think the offense is really going to struggle. But I just have a lot of confidence in this defense. So, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I am going to pick OSU, but I think it's going to be low scoring as well. I've got OSU 24-21. And I just – again, I think the defense gets a couple turnovers. 
flips the field for a short field for, for Illingworth. And I, I don't think they're going to ask him to do too much, Colby. I think it's going to be a lot of fade routes again to Tywin. Just let him go win that one-on-one matchup. That's going to be most of the passing game. And I just – I want to see them utilize Chuba in space more. If, if he's running it – that, that stretch play they tried to run like six times against Tulsa. They got blown up every time. Tear that page, throw it out of the playbook. They can't block it. So how are they going to get creative here? I, I think you got to get Chuba in space on some screens. Uh, in the passing game, they did a little bit of that in the second half against Tulsa. And I think LD Brown, if he can play like he did against Tulsa, I think he can, he can provide a boost too as well. But I'm not confident at all, Colby. I didn't think I would ever be wavering against OSU this early in the season. But uh, here we are. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm very, very concerned about that offensive line. Yeah, a healthy OSU team, I wouldn't be wavering at all. I'd be picking them to win this game by two touchdowns. My, my primary concern is that Oklahoma State is not able to block well enough up front for the running game to where West Virginia can put an extra defender on Tylen Wallace's side of the field and try to take him out of the game plan. And now, if, if they don't have to have that guy down there, now you've got an Oklahoma State team that could potentially struggle to run the ball and they could take away your true freshman's number one go-to read and actually make him have to go through his reads in his first collegiate start in a Power 5 conference game. And I think that that's a big ask. So I think it all comes down to what Oklahoma State can do up front. If they're able to provide enough holes for the running backs that they can actually get some one-on-one play with Tylen on the edge, then I think I might end up being wrong and Oklahoma State might win this game. I just have serious concerns uh, about whether they can even keep West Virginia honest defensively due to some of the deficiencies up front. Yeah, and, and to your point, I mean, if they take out Tywin with with two men, I mean, a receiver not named Tywin Wallace in game one, they had 44 total passing yards not to Tywin Wallace. He had 94 of the 138 uh, receiving yards. I wouldn't have guessed off the top of my head that it was that many. Right. And that to me, to me, Colby, that's, that's something I've been wondering about OSU the last two years. Who is going to be the number two option? You automatically think of, of Dylan Stoner, but he had three catches, 14 yards. And again, they only completed 14 passes. So it's, it's not as if they, they threw it a bunch, but that to me is a big concern too. Who's going to be the, the second receiver if they're not able to get it to, to Tylen Walls. So it's going to be a fascinating game. I, I, would, I would definitely take the points if I was, if I was in Vegas. Yep, that would be my play as well. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm wrong. I, I by no means want Oklahoma State to lose for, to West Virginia because I think if Oklahoma State can get some guys back, I still think that this is a team that when healthy uh, and firing on all cylinders can compete to get to Arlington and play for a Big 12 championship. But I've, I've got some serious concerns uh, about what a hobbled Oklahoma State team will look like. So uh, I hope I'm wrong and I, I hope things go well tomorrow on, I don't know if you've seen Carson, on what's supposed to be a hot Saturday in Stillwater. Is it? I haven't checked the yeah. weather. 2.30 game, I think it's supposed to be 90 degrees. And the game's at 2.30, so that means on that turf, it's going to be probably 100 or 105. Oof, yeah, that turf's brutal. Yeah, hard pass. Uh, so let's get to Chris University Spirit. Let's, let's preview the uniforms. We actually know what they're going to wear this week. They're going to be rocking the throwbacks. So. I guess. Will you let me guess? Yeah, you can guess. You'll probably go three for three this week. I'm going to go white helmets, white jerseys, white pants uh, with kind of some of the throwback stripes and lettering. Well, they've already released the uniforms, Colby. Oh, I know. I know. Okay. Well, they're wearing orange jerseys. Last week, I figured I would go three for three this week. Wait, are the jerseys white or orange? I've already forgot. They're white. They're white. Oh, so you're right. I'm sorry. I thought you were white with orange numbers and lettering. Okay, that's right. Well, that's maybe that's a good 
good call wearing the white then. It's going to be that hot. So. No doubt. So no go doubt. to Chris's University Spirit, get you some throwback gear. It's obviously going to be retro week with the, the throwbacks, and, and you can go to chrisuniversityspirit.com. I'm looking right now. they got a bunch of cool hats, T-shirts, all the tailgating accessories. Uh, there's a shirt that says Cowboy Family on it. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll pass those out to, to Thurman and company. Maybe get back on the right page with that. But go to chrisuniversityspirit.com, get your latest OSU gear. So we mentioned the throwback uniforms. What's your favorite part of this, Colby? Because even some national like uniform Twitter accounts are, are tweeting this week. No one can match the throwback game of OSU. And I, I agree that the, the 88 throwbacks they did were unbelievable. When I still see old pictures of that Texas game wearing the throwbacks, it just, they look so clean. And I can't wait to watch the 87 versions. But if you had to rank or just give me your favorite piece of the throwback gear, what's your, what's your favorite part of it? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Oklahoma State does have the best throwback game in the country. Oh, man. The, the old Oklahoma State logo on the helmets is sick, but it's really, it's really the jerseys. I mean, the lettering on the jerseys, throwback, I don't know what it is. It's just so clean. It's so crisp. I mean, Oklahoma State has the best throwbacks. I mean, I'm trying to think NFL, NBA. I'm trying to think of a better throwback game than Oklahoma State's, the 88s and the 87s. It's about as good as it gets in sports, Carson. Yeah, Kansas basketball does a good job. Kyle and yeah. I have talked about them. They do yeah. a great job. But in terms of football, and especially in college, I don't think anyone's close. Uh, for me, it's the, the Oklahoma State across the chest. It's so simple, but you just don't see that hardly anymore. No one really yeah. has lettering on the front of their jersey. Oklahoma still does it because they haven't changed their uniforms in, in 80 years. But uh, to me, I love the old brand, Colby, but I will say – we do this a lot with throwback stuff. Like what, whatever's old is new again. Like people always clamor for, for throwbacks and say they're better than the current versions just because they hadn't seen them in a while. I always think of like the Denver Broncos. Like when you see their throwbacks from the Elway era, everyone's like, oh, they should wear that. But if you remember when they went to the ones they wear now, it's like those were just a better modern looking uniform. And I love the old brand, I do. But I do think the, new, the, the current version of the brand is more 2020, where some of those 80s logos, like the old Denver Broncos logo with the horse through the D and the, the old school brand, it's very, it's very 80s. And it does feel aged a bit. So while I do love a throwback, I do think people get a little too carried away with older logos, older, older stuff, just because it brings back good memories, even though the current ones are probably better. Yeah, I don't think that Oklahoma State should wear the throwbacks every week. I think that part of make, what makes them special is we don't get them that often. But I absolutely think that once a year, Oklahoma State should just bring back an elite throwback for one game a season and just put the whole country on notice that we're doing it better than you are when it comes to the uni uniform game. Yeah, and we've been asking for this for a long time for OSU. They, they've worn a throwback helmet for years. Yeah. But, but last year was really the first time they did the full – or was it two years ago? The 88 throwbacks, I think the years are running together. I think it was two years ago because I think it was Corndog. That's right. And so now they've done the full ensemble, they're just absolutely amazing. I think they'll continue to – they've kind of made that into a, a homecoming thing, but now with the Ring of Honor, they're doing it a bit early this year with, with West Virginia. But, man, those are, those are sick. I cannot wait to see those, those in action. Yep, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope uh, – Tomorrow, it looks like OU and Kansas State are set to play. So, wake up, watch the pregame show at 10 o'clock, see that interview with Whedon, 
watch OU Kansas State and then flip over to OSU West Virginia. It's, it's going to be a good college football Saturday. My first real solid college football Saturday where I've just sat down for a day of watching games start to finish. Yeah, I'm with you. The, this season, the slates have not been your, your typical college football Saturday where you can just plop down the couch. I, I haven't really done that yet either, but it should be a big Saturday. I'm glad OU and Kansas State are able to play. That game was looking dicey earlier in the week from K-State's perspective. But, uh, yeah, so tune in. Again, 2.30 on ABC. We have the pregame show at 10 a.m. Again, you're going to want to check out the, the Brandon Whedon interview. It's it's really good. He had a lot of good things to say about OSU, too, with Shane Ellingworth and in that defense he's really high on. And he obviously broke down the offensive line issues and, and what to expect from them, too. So check it out. Colby Powell, enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up with you next week. Absolutely. Go folks.